0: You've heard me say it before, but our generation doesn't like to think deeply about too much. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I can tell you that there is a a multi billion dollar industry out there helping people not think. Now, we prefer to entertain and amuse ourselves, to forget about our lives and our stress. And I'm going to tell you, there's no shortage of funny and silly things to see on the internet. You can literally spend hours at it. Um, let me just show you a few of the things that I've looked at. Oh, there we go. Hang on. <laughs> now, for some of you, that's not terribly funny, but I, I picked it. This is called, for those of you who are under, like, under over 40 or over maybe 30, this is called a meme, M-E-M-E. Uh, Christmas cookies? No, I haven't seen any Christmas cookies. And so we sit at that and look, at, look for more like that. Very funny, very amusing. How about this? Works one day a year, spends the rest of it judging you. (laughs) You better watch out. You better not pout. Better not. I'm telling you why. Yeah. He sees you when you're... Yeah, you know the rest of it. I heard scent on the roof, so I turned on the fireplace... This is the angry cat. This is like this is our family favorite. I mean I could have just put up like twenty of those and call it a day. But anyway, I have to preach a sermon. I'm contractually obliged to do that. Um here's another one. I wasn't planning on giving Christmas gifts this year until I heard about the exploding Samsung Galaxy phones. <laughs> yeah, it's good. One. Uh, this, is, this is Gloria's favorite. Thank goodness you're home. The Christmas tree fainted. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. And I can tell you, I did spend a couple hours looking for some some good memes for you. So, is that it? Okay, I'll, I'll stop there. The uh, The reason we spend so much time just mindlessly looking at Facebook or memes, as I like to do when I'm, you know, a little bit stressed out, overwhelmed. Yeah, it happens to me. Is because sometimes you just don't want to think. You just want your mind to go blank. You like to, to suspend reality for a while and just be free of the pressure and the stress. You know, that word amuse, you've heard me talk about it before. Amusement. It means the provision or the enjoyment of entertainment. The etymology of amuse, A, means not and muse means to think. So it, really, when we're, when we're being amused or when we are being entertained, we're, we're actually not thinking about anything deep of, of any consequence. Um, it means a diversion of attention away from life, away from the things that really matter. We, uh, we're people that easily get stressed out. I, I googled, and you could do this yourself, but not right, not right now, please. Um, I googled the most stressful time of the year. And I mean I guessed what would come up and I was right. It was just all these video clips and and articles and lots of psychology today articles about Christmas and how stressful it can be. Which is rather ironic considering that we're celebrating the birth of the Prince of Peace, <laughs> the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now uh, I did some further research and I discovered that uh, Healthline did a survey and they discovered that 62% of respondents described their stress levels as somewhat or very elevated during the Christmas season, while only 10% reported no stress during the season. And I'm, I'm guessing that that would probably be monks and nuns that don't have family or have anything else to do. But the good news, folks is that God still rules supremely. And so whatever you may be facing, and your stress may have already begun. Uh, I know that for our staff getting ready for the big dinner yesterday and getting everything decorated, it it can be very stressful. And um, there are some seasons that are more stressful than others. But here's what I'd like us all to remember today, is that what we need to do is we need to get our eyes off of our situation and get our eyes on Jesus So remember uh, to use a worn-out cliche that Jesus is, in fact, the reason for the season. Do you want to say it again? Jesus. Oh, It's very theological. Very good. So here's, here's what I do know. That in the midst of your stress and the difficulty you may be facing, God is trying to speak to you. Is it me? Yeah. God is trying to speak to you. Now, I often talk about how God will speak to you through his word, but I want to talk to you today about some of the extraordinary ways that God speaks to not just we who are his children, but to everybody who is remotely interested or hungry or thirsty for a knowledge of God. Um, he's He's trying to speak to you on a regular basis, which you're going to see in a moment, and what we're going to see over the next three weeks. God speaks. To us in language that we understand, in ways that we understand. He, he comes to us where we're at. And we, I just thank God that we didn't have to, to learn Hebrew in order to study the scripture, learn Greek to stu- study the New Testament. God comes to us where we are, and He makes it possible for us to know Him. God wants to be known. Tell the person beside you, God wants to be known. So I, uh, I turned to the prophet uh, Hawking, Stephen Hawking, and here's what the prophet says. He says, Look up at the stars and what? Not down at your feet. Try to make sense of what you see and wonder about what makes the universe exist. He says, Be curious. Now it's pretty hard for us to be looking at the stars, it's pretty hard for us to wonder what makes the universe exist, it's pretty hard for us to be curious if we're spending our, our time with our eyes on the ground, with our eyes looking at our feet, or another way of putting it, uh, playing video games, or looking at memes on the internet, or spending all your time on, time on Facebook, some of us spend hours and hours on that. used to be people spent hours and hours a day watching TV. We've got so many things now to entertain and amuse us. I would say to you today that anybody who's hungry, anybody who's thirsty and really wants to discover and know God and wants to know God speaking to them can actually experience that. The thing that you have to do is listen to what the prophet Stephen says, and you've got to look up. You've got to get your eyes off of whatever it is that's occupying your time, whatever is robbing you of your time. And that's really where the message series begins. It's all about looking up. And so, as we come to Christmas, what I want to do is I want to actually look at the star, the Star of Bethlehem. Some people are convinced that it's just one of the embellishments of the Christmas story to make it more interesting, to make it more exciting. Um, many of us have grown up singing about uh, the wise men and, oh, star wonder, star night. Oh, oh sorrow, forget it. It's, uh, the... Star with royal beauty bright. Yeah, okay, that's enough. You can't give it up, can you? It's in your head. I want us to look at that star, I want us to see what it represents, and I want want to show you some really cool things from Scripture that probably many of you didn't know anything about. I want you to know that the appearance of the star of Bethlehem at the time of of Jesus' birth is actually mentioned in the Old Testament, and then it's also, also mentioned in the future tense, and over the next three weeks, we're going to look at that. But here's here's a chief thing that I want you to see, is that God brings a star to speak to us, to speak to people who have been looking for a Messiah, looking for God. Now, in this Christmas narrative, we talk about Mary and Joseph. We talk about Jesus in baby Jesus in a manger. Um, many of us have pictures up. How many have sent out their Christmas cards? It's, it's going to be either Mary holding the baby or Jesus in a manger. It's going to be camels, sheep. It's going to be um, shepherds. It's going to be angels. Those are all the sort of the images of Christmas. And of course, what Christmas card or what Christmas story, what Christmas decorating would be complete if it didn't have the star? Well. In Matthew chapter 2, we have God speaking to the Magi through the star. And uh, I, this is actually um, not a great quality photo uh, or picture. Maybe we could put that up there. But uh, you get the picture there. It's, it's the wise men. Traditionally, we say there's three wise men. Do you know why we say there's three? Because there's three gifts, right? gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but we don't really know how many they were. We, we assume that because there were three gifts that there were three wise men. Sometimes we call them kings. Sometimes they're called magi. Actually, the word is magi in the Greek. These, these men are just simply... They're astronomers, astrologers. They're scientists. They're, they're basically people... Well, we would call them renaissance men. They know everything. They're the wisest people in the world. And these particular men... They are from uh, Babylon, or what we would call today modern-day Iraq. Now, these magi, they they have come to worship Jesus because, they say, they've seen his star. Well, I want to quickly read to you the account of the magi coming to visit Jesus, and it's found in Matthew chapter 2. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men, or magi, um, from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law, and he asked, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. By the way, I've just quoted to you one of the prophecies about the coming of Christ. The coming of Christ. Was prophesied, and actually, we—I mentioned this a few weeks ago. There's over 400 references in the Old Testament that point to Jesus. Now, look at this: all of Israel, and Herod, the teachers of the law, everybody—they've got their—they got their eyes on the ground. Remember, what the prophet Stephen Hawking said, "Look to the stars, don't look at your feet." Hey, have you ever noticed how busy life can get? And we're so busy, caught up with our own cares, our own concerns, our own worries, our own prejudices, that we don't have time to sense or to see God. And that's exactly what the Magi came to when they came to Jerusalem. What? And no, nobody knows about the Jew, Jewish kingdom that's been born? What's going on around here? I mean, they're scratching their head. They're wondering, hey, how come we, we came all the way from Babylon? Hundreds of miles away, we know about, how come nobody here? You're the Jewish people, you should recognize, you should know what's going on. But they got their eyes on the ground, they're not paying attention, they're not looking for God, they're not listening. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him... Come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Is that really what he wants to do? No, you know the story. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was born. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Wow, that's an incredible story, isn't it? Now for some of us who maybe are maybe a little bit more educated, we look at that and say, well, that can't be true, that can't be real. The interesting thing is that this subject of the stars is a, is a subject that's been studied now for hundreds of years. And I'm going to be talking more about that next week. Uh, I found an amazing book called The Christ Comet, and I would recommend it. If you could get your hands on it, you get it. To me, it's one of the best books that I have seen uh, uh, in terms of um, dealing with the the science behind the star. I highly recommend it. But here's what you need to know about these magi. Do you know that 600 years before Jesus was born, Israel went into captivity in a place called Babylon. Again, it's modern-day Iraq. And there was a young man by the name of Daniel who moved up the ranks Uh, in Babylon. He became one of the chief advisors to King Nebuchadnezzar. And you can discover more about Daniel if uh, if you want to. After the service, read the book of Daniel. But you'll discover that Daniel not only was advising the king, but he was also teaching and advising these people that we call the magi, the wise men. We wonder how on earth would the magi know anything about the king of Israel? Well, it's simple. They had been educated by a prophet whose name was Daniel, and while Daniel would have been with them, and remember, this is not far-fetched, folks. This is this is uh, really important. You understand this? These wise men as I said, are what we would call renaissance men. They want to get as much information about as many things as possible from as many different sources as possible. They are gatherers of information. And so Daniel reminds them that the day is coming when Israel will receive a special king. We know that king as as the Messiah. And so Daniel taught the Magi that that a Jewish king was coming. And the scripture that Daniel would have used to help them understand this is one that we find in Numbers, Numbers 24, 17. And here's what it says. Here's this prophecy. I see him, that's Jesus, but not here now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. Anybody got chills going down your spine right now? I know I do. And I'll tell you why. Because long before Jesus is ever born, in fact, 1,400 years before Jesus is born, we find these words. Now, if you were here last week when I talked about Christ the King, you'll remember that Jacob, actually Jacob in Genesis 49, he prophesies about the coming of the Messiah, who will in fact rule. Not just rule Israel, but rule over the world. And when we talk about ruling over the world, we know that Jesus rules over the hearts of men and women throughout the world. How many remember that Jesus' kingdom first is established in people's hearts? That's where his rulership begins. It begins in your heart and in mine first. Now, the day is coming when he's going to rule physically, but first he, he, he rules spiritually. It's an internal kingdom, but the day is coming when it will be an external kingdom. So here we have it, a star will rise from Jacob. Now, uh, just so that you know, the terms Israel and Jacob uh, can be used interchangeably. They, the, the name Israel is another name for Jacob. So when we talk about Jacob, it can either talk about, we can either be talking about the literal uh, patriarch Jacob, or we could be talking about the people of Israel and vice versa. We talk about Israel, we talking about Jacob. So Daniel is teaching the Magi all about the coming of this special Messiah, this special King. And Numbers 24, 17 tells us that a star will rise from Jacob. So this is what the Magi are looking for. Every generation of Magi is, is constantly studying the stars. And in those days, and and up until not that many years ago, astronomy and astrology and science and, in fact, spirituality were all tightly knit together. This might come as a shock to you, but for, for hundreds of years, astrology was part of, if you can believe this, is part of the Catholic Church. It was part of discerning and knowing what God's will is. Now... We understand today that we don't take direction from the stars. Everybody say amen to that, please? Because I don't want anybody going out of here saying, well, I gotta get my horoscope out and find out what God's will is for my life. Please don't do that. These, these magi see something spectacular in the heavens. And in this book that I was telling you about, a fantastic research. Uh, It talks about one of the most spectacular uh, um, events in astronomy in, in thousands of years. And I'm going to talk about more of that next week. But here's what you need to understand. They come to Jerusalem and they say, and the star they'd seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. What's going on here, folks? I'm telling you, God is trying to reveal himself, make himself known to us. Here's the problem with, with, with so many people, especially in our generation. We are really quite, quite clever. And the thing is, we know we're clever. In fact, we think we're cleverer than even God. You know, one of the things that anybody who goes to this church for any length of time knows about me is that I love or my family and I love to go to Banff. How many know that? And we know all the trails. In fact, we've been to Banff with many people from this church. Uh, one of the things that, um, that happens to me sometimes when I get there is I, I'm thinking... Well, first of all, I'm there because I love the mountains. I want to see the beauty. I love the smell of the pine needles. I love, I love the beauty, the birds, the bears. The, well, not too close, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I just love it all. I just I love the walk. I love the talking. But here's what happens when I first get there. I'm in work mode. I'm in get things done. I'm driving. It's like, hey, we, we're here now. we got this trail to town. Ta- Let's get this trail done. We're going to get it done by lunchtime, and then we'll go do another one this afternoon. And, and so I'm on that trail, and I'm walking like mad. We're going to get there. We're going to do it in record time. And you get to the end of the trail, and you think to yourself, I didn't really see anything. <laughs> I came here to smell the pine needles. I came here to enjoy the beauty of these mountains. I I was hoping to see some wildlife, but I think I scared the wildlife away by my barking out commands, and it's this way, and not that way, and get off that, and don't touch this, and we got to move, and hurry up, Nicholas. (laughs) And you get to the end of it all, and you realize... As the prophet Stephen Hawking says, you've been with your eyes to the ground. You missed it all. Do you know how many people go through life like that? You missed it all. You didn't see anything. That was Herod and all the people of Jerusalem. A king has been born. There are signs in the heavens, and they don't know anything about it. What, you, what, what king? What are you talking about? How many of us are going through life just like that? God's trying to break into your life. He's trying to speak to you. He's trying to reveal himself to you. He's trying to show you that he loves you. He cares about you. He's trying to show you that he's a personal, loving God and that he is concerned about your future. He's trying to tell you that he can help you with whatever it is that you're going through. I mean, wasn't that the message that the angels sang to the shepherds? Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. I mean, the shepherds were the most despised, the lowest of the lowest of the low in, in the mind of every Jewish person. Because they were smelly and dirty, because they were hanging out with sheep all day. They stunk like sheep. They were ceremonially unclean. These poor dejected shepherds, they were the ones that God appears to. I love that. They're just sitting in the backside of Bethlehem, uh, out in the, in, the, in the fields, caring for their sheep. And suddenly, God appears. Now, I often wonder, why did God appear to the shepherds? And why didn't he just go and appear to the, to the Jewish leaders? I mean, if the angels had appeared to the Jewish leaders, it would have been a very different story. But he appeared to shepherds. Shepherds had no sway, no clout. No political power. But those are the ones he appeared to. I think the reason why God appeared to them is because they were the only ones looking. They were the only ones paying attention. Now let the Spirit of God speak to you right now because you might feel like you're the lowest of the low. You can't get lower than me, Pastor. Actually, if you knew my life, you'd know it's pretty, pretty, pretty bad. And I want you to know you're precisely the one that God is speaking to. God wants you to know that he loves you and he cares about you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He knows your situation. He knows your pain. He knows your suffering. He knows your sin. He knows how much you failed and fumbled. But you're the one he wants to reveal himself to. Why is that? Because he loves you. He really loves you. He really cares about you. And he wants to help you with whatever it is that you're going through in your life. He doesn't want you to face this life alone. God knows how stressed out we are. He knows how much we want to look at memes. He understands it. But what he's doing is what Nicholas used to do to me all the time. Dad, 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 dad. Hey, Nick, remember that? This is what God's trying to do. He's trying to get our attention. Look up, look at me. I've got something to tell you. In fact, some of you were thinking of sleeping in this morning. You weren't going to come to church, were you? And God just kept poking you till you got out of bed. And that's what God did to me. <laughs> After three or four hours of sleep last night. I'm walking down the trails in Banff and suddenly God <laughs> pokes me in and says, hey, take a look around, Alan. That's what you're here for. Yeah. And suddenly I see the beautiful teal colored water. I mean, you can't even explain that. I mean, if, if somebody took a picture of that, someone'd say, well, who photoshopped that, changed the color? And that's the real color. But you got to look up, as Stephen Hawking says. You got to look up. Look up at the stars. Try to make sense of what you see and wonder about what makes the universe exist. Be curious. God comes along and he's poking you and he's trying to reveal to you how much he cares about you and loves you. Yes, even those of us who are considered faithful followers of Christ. You see, we've, we've, for many of us, we've fallen to this religious trap of just going through the motions and forgetting that God actually wants to speak to you on a daily basis. He wants to communicate with you. He wants, to, he wants to do miracles in your lives. He wants to show you who he is. God's speaking, but we're not inclined to listen very well. Would you say amen to that? Amen. We have our head down, but we're, we're looking at our feet, but we're not really paying attention. Well, you know, for all of Stephen Hawking's brilliance and his great advice, by the way, look up at the stars, not down at your own feet. He's kind of guilty of doing what he just told us not to do. In his book, A Brief History of Time, I don't know if anybody has read it or seen it. I, I uh, tried to work through it. Uh, it's, it's really quite an amazing book. But one of the things that he says is that uh, a unifying theory of science would help mankind know the mind of God. A very curious language for a man who calls himself an atheist. A unifying theory of science would help mankind know the mind of God. Hawking says this, what I meant by we would know the mind of God is we would know everything that God would know if there were a God, which there isn't. He says, I'm an atheist. Hmm. Okay, can we just look at these words in yellow? What I, and by the way, don't anybody think here today that I would presume to put myself on equal footing with Stephen Hawking in terms of his brain power? Uh, that's, that's not who I am. But what I am is somebody who has had an encounter with a living God. We would know the mind of God. Uh, he said, what I meant by we would know the mind of God is we would know everything that God would know. Now, that's exactly, exactly why God sent Jesus to us. Hello? You getting this? We would know the mind of God. That's precisely why God sent his son, so that we would know his mind. Stephen Hawking couldn't have put it better if he tried. That's exactly what God's trying to do. He's trying to help us know his mind. So he uses this very curious language. A unifying theory of science would help us know the mind of God. There's something that is is almost divine-like about the the science of our universe. And by the way, I mean, I don't presume or pretend to have a handle on that. But I'm in good company because most of the astrophysicists that I have read or heard speak would say exactly the same thing. He says, "Uh, religion believes in miracles, but these aren't compatible with science. In my opinion... Did you hear that? In my opinion, he didn't say I've got scientific proof to prove what I'm about to say. He says, in my opinion, there is no aspect of reality beyond the reach of the human mind. Now, can I just remind everybody, just because a man is brilliant doesn't mean he's right every time. How about you know that? I mean, the guy has been married and divorced and married again. I'm not judging or condemning him, but he got something wrong. Doesn't know everything. And by the way, again, I'm not judging him. But listen to this. There's no aspect of reality beyond the reach of the human mind. And I agree with that. I wholeheartedly agree. The human mind cannot produce a reality beyond the reach of the human mind. We just can't do that. And that's precisely why God sends his son Jesus into this earth to speak to us, to reach us where we're at. But if there is a God, he would need to transcend the human mind and, in fact, break into the human condition with signs, wonders, and prophecies, and with his own son, Jesus Christ. That is the preaching and the teaching of the church. Now, here's the problem, folks, with people like Stephen Hawking. Again, I'm not judging or condemning. What we're doing is we're having a reasonable dialogue here. Now, unfortunately, he's not here with his voice translator, speaker, boxy thingy. In case you don't know what I'm talking about, that box sitting in front of him speaks for him, Okay, just so you know. God has been speaking to us in millions of ways throughout human history. We need to understand that. This is why he gave us what we call the Word of God. So that we know his mind. God communicates to us by his spirit, through his spirit, and his word, his will, has been committed to what we call scriptures. But folks, if you've got your heads down, you're not looking. You're not looking for God. And if you declare, I am an atheist, then you've pre. Judge the signs and the wonders and the prophecies that God has given us. Did you get that? If you declare I'm an atheist, what you're actually saying is I know everything. And after knowing everything, I can pass judgment now and declare there is no God. Look at that is arrogance to an extreme. At least have the guts to say I am an agnostic. I'm not sure. (laughs) I don't know. I appreciate when someone says to me, I'm an agnostic, I don't know, I'm not sure. But here's what I know what the Bible says. God says, if you look for me, would you read that with me? If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Now, I got to just say, it's wholeheartedly, with all your heart. You can't dabble, how many of you can't dabble in Christianity? Which was what a lot of people do. I tried it once, it didn't work. Yeah? Did you really? When I hear that, I just want to tell people, look, you follow me for a little while. Hang around me for a while and let me introduce you to some of the reality that will transform your life. It takes guts, folks, and it takes humility to say, God, I'm not sure. Please reveal yourself to me. We had somebody in our uh, service last week, last few weeks. We've been in this dialogue, back and forth, back and forth. And so finally I said, look it, um, I, can, I can try to give you all kinds of proofs, and I can try to talk you into believing, but it's not going to work. What you need to do is you need to cry out to God. And so I gave him a simple little prayer to pray. I just said, I want you to close your eyes and on your own every day just simply pray God, I'm looking for you. I want to know you. Please reveal yourself to me. And so he's begun that process. And last I heard, over the past few weeks, he's been spending (laughs) uh, multiplied hours in the Bible and telling all his friends all about Jesus. In fact, his wife said, maybe you should become a pastor like Pastor (laughs) Allen. So, I, my response, of course, was, well, first put your faith in Jesus, and we'll, we'll go from there. I'm telling you folks, if you are crying out to God and asking Him, him to reveal Himself to you, I'm going to guarantee you, this is a money-back guarantee. I'll give you your money back. Yeah. God's going to reveal Himself to you. But what you got to do is you have to stop looking at your feet. You've got to look up. You've got to say, God... Humbly, without any arrogance, with as much courage as I can muster, I want to look to you, and I'm looking and, and praying that you'll reveal yourself to me. That's really what the Magi did. They listened to a prophet who visited them 600 years prior to that time and told them the coming of the Messiah. Now, here's what I want you to know. God speaks in a multitude of ways. And I, I doubt that God's going to be making any, peer, any stars appear uh, anytime soon. I, I don't see that happening. But what I do know is that God speaks in many other ways. In fact, the Bible tells us, uh, actually, the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost, he quotes Joel, who says, Your young men will dream dreams, your old men will have visions. Or, or I can't remember the order of that, but you get the point going to be, there's, he speaks through signs and wonders. You know, in the Old Testament, God even spoke through a donkey Balaam's, Balaam's donkey. That always gives me courage. Sometimes God speaks in impressions in your mind and in your heart. You, you, most of you know how I knew that Gloria was the one that I was supposed to marry. God gave me that impression. And by the way, uh, God also gave her that impression. Uh, I had a girl once come to me, uh, thankfully before I was married, who said to me, you know, uh, Pastor Ron, I just want you to know I had a vision. I had a vision that you and I were going to India together as missionaries. I said, well, are you sure that that was me, <laughs> that vision? And the fact is, is that I didn't have that vision. God speaks. God speaks in so many ways. And the greatest way that he speaks is through his word, the Holy Scripture. In fact, it's called the word of God. Now, when God speaks in dreams and visions and impressions and signs and wonders in and, and, and miraculous ways, I'm going to tell you, everything that God ever says to you will absolutely 100% agree with Scripture. And if it doesn't line up with Scripture, if it doesn't agree with Scripture, then you can dismiss it. But God speaks, if you just pay attention. One of the things that has fascinated me in the last few years is the stories of Muslims who have been responding to the gospel, either directly or indirectly, as a result of dreams and visions. And these dreams and visions have been abundant. So abundant, in fact, that Tom Doyle, in his book, Dreams and Visions, is a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary. He says that at least one-third of all Muslims come to Christ as a result of such dreams. This blows your mind. Did you ever wonder why God is appearing to the Muslims in this manner? I'll tell you why. Because Muhammad had a dream. And that is something that they revere. That's something that they respect. It's something that they're open to. And so what's happening is that these people are having visions of Jesus. And what Jesus is telling them to do is go find a Christian. And ask the Christian to tell you about about their Jesus. A third of the Muslims that are coming to Christ are coming because of dreams. I wonder today if God is speaking to you. Or are you so prejudiced? Your eyes are on the ground, on your feet. You're not looking up. Are you so arrogant and so unwilling to consider that maybe you could be wrong? And maybe there is a God. And maybe God does love you. Maybe God does care. And maybe God does want to be involved in your life. Maybe God does want to help you solve your problems. Maybe God does want to get you through your stress. Maybe God does want to give you something more interesting to look at than memes on the internet. I'm telling you today how much God loves you, how much God wants to help you through your life. Maybe you're at a place right now where you, quite frankly, I don't need God's help. I got, I got all my ducks in a row. I got it all together. I'm quite fine. Thank you very much, Pastor But when the day comes, when things aren't going so smoothly, I want you to remember my words. There's a God that loves you, and he's trying to reveal himself to you. In fact, I believe that you're not here today by accident. I believe you're here because God wanted you to hear this message. Stephen Hawking, God broke into your world to reveal himself to you. You're right. You cannot... Get a hold of a reality beyond what your mind can, can generate. And for that reason, God comes into our, into our world. He breaks into our world. He breaks in through signs and wonders. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. And who do they make known? That little baby in a manger. Would you stand with me, please? Father, this Christmas season, many of us are, are just, we're already overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed by everything. And right now, Lord, your spirit is speaking to us and you're telling us, my child, be calm, be still. Look to me. Look to me, my child, and I will give you peace. I will give you the strength. I'll give you the courage to face whatever it is that you have to face. I will care for you. I will meet your needs. Father, we pray this morning that every one of us will let go of our prejudices and in humility look to you and ask, oh God, for you to reveal yourself. To show us the way through this life. To help us get through the difficulties and the struggles that we're facing. Father, thank you for sending us Jesus who reveals to us the very mind of God. Father, help us, we pray, to humbly submit and to say, "Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We surrender our lives to you right now, God, asking you, God, to speak to us and help us through. And if there are any here today, God, who are this, they're sitting here right now, troubled in their hearts, would you show them God your mercy and your love? Would you show them God that you're real, you're personal? And you want to help them. So we commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Amen. Tell the person beside you go look for God.